Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the College Football Inquirer with Dan Wetzel. You go to like those delis in New York or like Beverly Hills, and there's like wa- like pictures of like everybody on the wall. It's like Jack Nicholson, Kim Kardashian, Michael Jackson was here. Like what? Like like celebs beyond celebs. And then there's the Jacksonville Beach Wobble. It's like we had Uncle Rico and Trevor Lawrence. SI's Ross Dellinger. He's confident enough to say these things because this was an absolutely 100% direct shot at the man in Chicago. There's there's no doubt about it. And SI's Pat Forty! They, they, they will once again be looking at a 12-0 regular season and probably a 13-0 walkover against the Big Ten West and then we'll see what happens from there. Here's Pat, Russ, and Dan! I went with a pod. Got the full house here. Pat's back. Ross is here, we hope, for the whole time. No comment, but we'll just leave it at that. See how it goes. My bathroom is close. That's a good yeah. thing. It's right on the other Ross side of this wall. Ross is having some issues. So. He's having some issues. We do have, you know, it's off season, and um, we'd like to thank Commissioner Greg Sankey of the Southeastern <laughs> Conference. Because, you know, sometimes you don't have a lot of news. We need content. Thank you, Greg. We need content. It. Yes. He's, he stepped up many times. He may or may not listen. We won't out him if he does or doesn't. Who knows? He might just be polite and say he does. Or he may not. He may hate us. But whatever it is, he did take a crack at the outgoing Big Ten commissioner, uh, Kevin Warren who is leaving to become the president and CEO of the Chicago Bears, or he already has? Did he, like, just... Uh, no, like, he, he starts in April. I believe he's going to arrive there in April. So he'll, okay, be, he'll yeah, still be at the Big Ten for, it's like, 60 to 90 days, I believe. Okay, yeah. Yep. I mean, hell, Delaney would have pulled, like, $5 million bonus out of that night. <laughs> so we'll see what Kevin Warren can do. Kevin Warren is leaving, as we know. We talked last uh, episode on uh, about the impact and, and the fact that, you know, it was a very rare situation that he he got Delaney, Jim Delaney had the job thirty one years. Two of the five people who have been the Big Ten commissioner died in office. Yeah, right. There's only Not been five or whatever, five or six. What's the number? Five, five. I think. Yeah, I mean it's unbelievable. It's like British royalty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. With that, yeah. nobody a, walks away from that throne. No, you get that throne, you take it, and you keep it, yeah. and that's it. And then uh, Kevin Warren breezes in three years, changes everything. 
including feuding with Greg Sankey and creating the alliance against mm-hmm. the SEC. So there's a little, you know, there's some history here. So, you know, we like a good commissioner fight. In fact, uh, I'd be happy to set the octagon match up if needed. <laughs> Absolutely. Fine by us. We'll invite them all, all 10. We'll rotate them around. <laughs> Sankey, Sankey uh, decided to lay out this quote. We need leaders today in college football and college sports, not leaders who make a stop to build a resume and go on to something else. Those who understand the problems ahead are real and demand our attention. Pat, what do you think? Scale of yeah. one to ten. How vicious? Not really that vicious, but seven. I mean, it's not vicious, but it's a direct <laughs> shot, right? I mean, it's a uh, there is there's no mistaking what he's talking about there. And you know, frankly, look. Well, Ross and I were at the NCAA convention last week. There was some chatter about another commissioner, possibly at least looking around, checking options. And so, you know, Sankey is certainly of the, you know, career campus guy mindset and I think is very much invested in the whole enterprise. He's mostly invested in making the SEC as rich and powerful as possible. And he's certainly been part of some things that have done, I think, some considerable damage to the overall stability and welfare of college sports. But I think he wants college sports to be as good as it can be and has done a lot of work and served on a lot of mind-numbing committees to try to make that happen. And so I think he, he looks at some of the commissioners who have come in from outside and maybe just view this as more of a whether it's a resume building opportunity or a, a cash flow opportunity or whatever and says eh, I, th- those aren't my those aren't my kind of guys and so i think there's definitely some uh some some actual sincerity behind that other than just yeah kevin warren and i don't really like each other a whole bunch so it was interesting that he said it out loud and i do think sankey has become more of a no F's given guy uh, mm. as he has gotten more and more prominence and mm-hmm. security in his position. So, you know, I think he feels, I, he certainly understands that he is he is the boss of the whole enterprise, really. He's the most powerful person. I don't know whether there is a boss boss, but he's the most powerful person in it. And so I, I think he, he has the authority to, to speak out. So I'm glad he did because it gave us something to talk about. Well, uh, let's be honest. He, he's got the big head. You know, like he's feeling himself. All right. He's feeling himself like, you know, every decision he makes is is praised, not just by, you know, the outside, but by his own like presidents and ADs who constantly go out of their way to laud him and people who he's in committees with laud him about his expertise and his wisdom in the, you know, the moves with Texas and Oklahoma, even though they, as he said, knocked on their door, so to speak, you know, the new TV deal, the how he handled COVID compared to how some other people did. Uh, look, every turn, at every turn over the last two to three years, especially, Greg Sankey has been praised for his decision-making. And, you know, I think he feels like he is the best in the industry, probably because most would say he is, and he knows it, and he's confident enough to say these things because this was an absolutely 100% direct shot 
at the man in Chicago. There's there's no doubt about it. And um, you know, I don't. There's not been a ton probably written because they haven't. You know, each side, the Big Ten and SEC, Greg Sankey and and Kevin Warren haven't talked publicly about it. But there's definitely like something brewing here, and you know, it started with Slive and Delaney, I'm sure, where you have these two big powers. And we're getting to a point where, you know, it's probably going to start becoming more and more public that these two entities, though probably sometimes they should be working more with one another for the betterment of college sports, they are not. They are not working with one another. And they, on each side, feel like they have to keep up with the other. Uh, in some way, and the other is a threat. So this should be interesting going forward. And this is the first I feel like big public shot at at the the between these two these two entities. That all that being said, I think Pat nailed that. Like Greg Sankey is a college sports lifer. He's been in it forever. He's been on every committee. He's been the chairman of every committee. He's knee deep in the legislation. He's knee deep into fixing the issue, into preserving college sports, preserving the NCAA. He he's he's into all that and Kevin Warren is not. He's he's not into the legislation. Kevin Warren was frustrated by how college sports worked, you know, wanted to kind of in a way, I think he never really said this, but almost blow up things. I think that was part of the expansion and the potential for more expansion was to do that. So these are two very different men. But I to me, to to circle back to the argument uh, what I started talking about first was this is a really big first public shot at there is something between these two leagues and it's getting louder and louder and louder. They are two, you know, different places that are working, unfortunately, again, working against one another. That's just how it is. They're better working together, but there's obviously mm. going to be competition on the field. So, yeah, it, it's, it's certainly an interesting thing. It's like if the AFC and the NFC didn't really get along. Yep. So, That's a good comparison. Like, yeah. I think, I mean, which, you know, it's silly, right? It's just, a, it's just a, a name. I think that Kevin Warren, so look, ideally you don't have Big Ten commissioners for three years. Sankey is correct on this much. It, it should be a job that you take for like 10 years or eight right. years. Like it should be a long thing mm-hmm. because you can't just come in, make a bunch of moves and then bail. Now, I don't think Kevin Warren did anything that's going to destroy college football or anything like that. But you you got to have, like, you have to have to live with the consequences, if you will, or at least the results of your actions. And you can't just make, you know, this is a this is a sport that a lot of people cherish and, and to just come in and make some crazy decision and then leave and leave it to the next guy. Like, if there's a parade of Big Ten commissioners, it's not good. And so I think... Sankey's basically trying to lecture Big Ten presidents like, don't do this again. Yeah. Obviously, there's some personal <laughs> animosity. <laughs> His way of getting involved in the yeah, in the search is, yeah, hey, he's, he's basically yeah. like, can we <laughs> get, not do yeah. this again? That's his yeah. search. Please hire Jim yeah. Phillips and then the ACC will hire someone. Right. Or, you know, put Gene Smith over there and, and mm-hmm. give Gene Smith the job because he's been around and he's not. You know, and this is what they're now. At the same time, you need some agitators. You need some new ideas. So it's tricky. And you know, the Kevin Warren stuff. You know, Jim Delaney. You know, dragged his feet on everything. Did very little for the athletes. You know, enriched himself enormously. 
fought the er, a tooth and nail every step of a playoff, did the uh, illogical bidding of bowl games, and then immediately became get got paid off by the bowls. You know, it's like a politician that whatever industry, uh, geez, uh, seemed to vote in favor of the telecommunications industry every time, and then all of a sudden, hey, look at that, who became a consultant. <laughs> to where you question what he was all about. Like Kevin Warren doesn't have all that. And so the idea that Kevin Warren's like the bad guy and Jim Delaney's the ideal guy. Uh, no, I'm not, not really going for that. But the point no. is Kevin Warren did exactly what the big 10 wanted, whether it was smart or not, whether it was canceling the season due to COVID or, or raiding LA or raiding the PAC 12, but it would be, so I don't blame him, but at the same time, I absolutely agree with Sankey, like just having a guy leave isn't it. I look at like Gary Bettman when he took over the NHL. He tried all of these yeah. moves that were really dumb and and some of them are stuck. Like, I don't know, just dumb stuff. I got rid of like the names of the day. The, the, the NHL used to have these great names of the divisions, the the Norris right. division, right? And it had a history and he's like, people <laughs> don't understand. Let's go East, Central. You know, it's like, oh God. <laughs> tried a glowing puck on the TV. It just... But he stuck around for 30 years. Yeah. And reversed some mistakes and settled into this Mm -hmm. and learned and kind of, you know, they still boo him and all that, whatever. It wasn't like, I'm going to try 10 crazy things and then get out of here. Yeah. He was invested in the enterprise. Yeah, he's still there. You know, so like the mistakes you make or the bad TV deals you make or the, hey, what's we don't need ESPN. Okay, that worked. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You got your brains beat in on that. Now you're back. So it's like I I think we'd be better off if especially this league that with the SEC has so much power and influence that we had somebody who's lifelong invested. I just hope they're not as stuck in the mud and of questionable decisions as, as Jim Delaney. Right. I mean, that's the needle I guess you're trying to thread is <laughs> if you want somebody who's invested in college sports, well, are they invested in all the bad ideas from the old days? Are they invested but willing to help modernize and continue kind of what's uh, being done here. That, and I, and I get in, in within college athletics, Jim Delaney's like the, you know, the God, right? They, I oh. mean, they all, Oh, Jim Delaney was the greatest. Yeah. Like, no, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. <laughs> right. Um, but no, I, I you know, Sankey's point is, uh, was sharply made and well taken for sure. I do. I, I would like to clip that from Ross there. He said, he's got the big head. That was the, there's the, there's your soundbite from uh, today's <laughs> yeah. podcast. I'm sure I won't hear about that later. No, no, I won't have no, to explain that. Not at all. Uh, no, no. That was Ross as, Dellinger who said that, yeah. not me. <laughs> whether whether not Sankey being... actually listens or hears from other people or just doesn't, I don't know. But I do know this. <laughs> One of Sankey's pet peeves, whether it's columnists or smart-ass podcasters or whatever. Or both. Is, yeah, people like us saying, well, if you would just do X, then everything would be fixed to Y. And he's like, there are no easy answers. So the people that just say, if you would just only do this, that that's what makes him mad. And I think we, we've occasionally offered some some just do this sort of uh, advice to the leadership. That's, that's my thing. Sports. That's that's literally my thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and the, the interesting Take thing is. problems and provides easy solutions. <laughs> the, yes. Yes. Is. Um, you know, Greg Sankey 
when you mention and, and he's done this, he's he's done it publicly. He's certainly done it privately with me and others. And when you mention the NFL, well, why can't you do this in college sports like the NFL does? As soon as you mention like the NFL, yeah. his like alerts go yeah. up and he just shuts it down. Like this isn't the NFL. Stop trying to compare us and make us the NFL. And what's funny about that, right, is the guy he lobbed the shot at. A lot of people would have thought with or thinking. He wanted to expand more beyond USC and UCLA, and you know, as as somebody maybe uh, in, in in parts of the South or several people in parts of the South have have described it to me as he appears to be making in in a in a Big Ten Midwest NFL Midwest kind of conference, you know, appears to be gearing toward that. So it's funny because you got Sankey's like, don't mention the NFL; it's not the same. And then Kevin Warren you know, comes from the NFL, going back to the NFL, and wanted to expand enough to, hell, create his own NFL and has said some things right about paying players. Corbin Warren has. He's he said some things publicly about oh, yeah. paying players and revenue share and, and all that stuff. And, you know, you you uh, it, it's interesting, the two the two dynamics there. And they just, you know, again, there was a there was a pool there. They didn't they didn't see eye to eye on a lot of different a lot of different things. Not, and that's not to say like Greg Sinke, you know, doesn't agree in in progressing and moving forward. I I think I think he does. I think they're working on trying to get solutions to <laughs> to be able to to give more to athletes. And you know, the transformation committee. This is you know, I'm off the rails now here, but the transformation committee was supposed to make pretty transformative changes, and Greg Sinke was a co chair of that, and they didn't. They didn't make transformative changes. And I think he's frustrated in that. Part of the reason they didn't probably make transformative changes, especially toward athlete benefits, is because, you know, they needed these recommendations to get passed. And in order to get passed, you have to have the little guys come go in for the vote and they're not voting for it if you make too big of changes that cuts them out. So that's a whole another topic for another pod. But there's been some frustration Whoa. there. Well, I mean, he literally said the quiet part out loud on like he went on real sports, uh, HBO mm, real sports yeah. and said, yeah. paying players are things we have to resolve. We have to. So yeah. I want to be part of this conversation and we'll be part of this conversation of what we can do better. He says, you know, look, we just signed this billions of dollars in TV deal. Uh, he mentioned the same, you know, let's have 20 members and pay our players. Let's look at the playoff money. Do we pay the players out of that? These are these are things that are bold statements, right? On a very touchy subject, and in whether you agree, you could be the the go to all the way to the scale of they should be play, they should uh, the athletes should be employees of the university, right? And we should have this, this that you could go all that way, and you'd still, I think, have to, in fairness, recognize that if you're in management, this is a a precarious negotiation, right? It was kind of the one weird thing that he said, because when you go into contract negotiations like the NFL and the NFLPA come up with a contract negotiation, Roger Goodell doesn't sit there and say, you know, these guys really deserve more. And uh, I don't <laughs> yeah. know, sure, they've been treated Absolutely. well in the past. And yeah. I really want to work. And no, it's like, what? Like, they've been getting too much. And this is easy over there for these guys. I mean, those things get vicious. Yeah. vicious and yeah. and you and you get it and then the and the and the nflpa to oh my god we can't even barely we you know we we should be getting 
guaranteed money for life if we even do one practice and you know right it's co- it's a it's a it's a negotiation it's a it's a right. labor agreement mm-hmm. so neither side's telling the truth they're just trying to get a little bit more on their deal so right. kevin warren definitely broke breached that and and look to me with all of these things i had someone ask me the other day What's the one thing you would try to, if you were you were Charlie Baker or these guys, what's the one thing you would focus on? What problem? And I and obviously, I, I don't think most of the stuff is a problem at all. I think it'll all resolve itself and no one even knows what's going on. It's just a bunch of people complaining because change has, has hit a bunch of people who aren't used to change, namely college football coaches. But I will say, if my answer was, I would try to figure out how am I going to handle if a court rules that these guys are all at, uh, they're all employees of my university for a how do i prevent that and then b if it does come down what do i do because to me right. that's that is a real that's your existential quote-unquote threat or at least disruptor to the system far far more than you know some floor some kid was going to go to florida and then he didn't cuz he got he right. thought he was going to get this crazy deal and then, and he's just going to go play somewhere yeah so no I, yeah that, that is that's like if that's the one if, yeah it, it, in college sports if you're you're an administrator and you're 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 overreacting to your angry coach because the transfer portal is spinning out of control you know this is probably a bigger Threat on the horizon, exactly yeah. what you described. Don't fight these little skirmishes that really aren't anything. Right. That's not going to change. It's not an existential threat that guys are moving. They just sit there and go, is this what we want? Well, that's what you got. Mm-hmm. Okay? So the kid, kid's transferring, and, so, and then sometimes it works, and sometimes it's whatever. That's not a, th- that's not a dis- real disruption. That's just you got to work harder managing your roster. Deal with it. They become employees. The entire fabric of how an athletic department works can be altered, including how many teams you can even have. Sure. So yeah, no, that's I mean that's the big yeah, one. Yeah, that's that's the mushroom cloud, no doubt. Yeah. Yeah. If if you and, and I'm not going with a broad based athletic program. Yeah. With that with, with I'm not Olympic even saying it's worse. Stuff. I'm not even saying it's worse. I'm just saying mm-hmm. that's the one that will be different. Right. But if there were a court ruling that cleared the way for that versus Title IX and and what is it is it has established in terms of broad-based athletics for two genders, whew, somebody figure that one out and get back to me. Who's going to win that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, it's funny because a lot of coaches, they're so frustrated with right the player movement and how it's not regulated and how – it's basically, as they say, right, a free agency without the regulation, without contracts and things like that. They they want the regulation. They want the contracts. And so, and I'd give an example here, you know, RIP, but I was sitting in Mike Leach's office in October, and um, he just went off on a, run, a tangent like he often did that got, <laughs> that weaved in and out of politics like it often does, uh, it often did with him. But uh it was about, hey, it's time to pay the players and have contracts and we can fire them and all this stuff. I mean, they, you know, I think a yeah. lot of coaches feel that way. They're, they're, they're like kind of bringing on. And the more and more you talk to ADs, specifically in Greg Sankey's league, they want some kind of regulation. And if it's employee status, okay. Um, I don't think anybody feels super comfortable with that. But there are at least coaches that are starting to come around to, 
we need some kind of regulation. If it if it if it means some kind of employee status, okay, right? Or dealing with some kind of union, and maybe they're not full time. Like whatever it is, yeah that that will that's the only way to create it. Because what they're asking right now are limits, as if they are employees when they are not employees. Right. And so they're so uncomfortable with it. And so then really you've got to lay it out and go, well, is that worth, is that trade-off worth it? But look, you may not, I mean, they, they find boogeymen to complain about, but it's the, the, the issue are nine justices in Washington, DC who yeah. swamped you last time. Nine, nothing. Yeah. Nine zip. I mean, I hear that. Oh, it's the, you know, it's this group. It's this group. It's like, no, it's Brett Kavanaugh. <laughs> right in agreement with all the others right mm -hmm. <laughs> that's that's who's gonna get you and so you gotta figure out how to handle that so we'll, we'll see where that goes obviously a lot that was a bigger whooping than what tennis uh, tcu took from georgia yeah yeah and so that that's the one that to me will most upend it I, this is just a different way to construct a roster and the coaches who industries change Every industry has disruptions and everyone has to deal with it. And the old guard sits around and goes, man, I wish it was the old days. But that ain't how the world works. And college football has been immune virtually to it until the last couple of years. And so you got a lot of people all up in their feelings about how that, oh, my God, this is incredible. And it's like, yeah, it'll be all right. Like a lot of things change. A lot yeah. Of and, change. you know, it, it's a good point. It, it's something as I get older, I'm, <laughs> I'm realizing, you know, that just different things in life change based on new generations coming into the world and old generations leaving the world. Could you imagine, you know, a hundred years ago telling, you know, like Nuke Rockney or something about the passing game and all the different rules involved with offensive right. passing and offense right now? My God, he would <laughs> a brick, you know, like what? <laughs> what, what, what are we doing? You know, what? You imagine so that like Nuke Rockney watches so. last weekend's NFL playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> What is right? this? It's like What's fourth and this? six now? I mean, remember, it was like 12 yeah. years ago or so, 10 to 12 years ago, when Belichick went for it on fourth and two in, at Indianapolis in a regular uh, season game. Gas. People freaked. Yeah. And they got and Kevin, Kevin Falk got stopped at the line. I mean, I was really close and they just really didn't run the play right. And it was like, the, I mean, people were apoplectic apoplectic mm -hmm. and it's now it's like why wouldn't you go for it now it's like yeah, it's fourth and six and go for it what the hell right <laughs> brandon staley i mean yeah. fourth yeah, and forget 43 New lou holtz lou holtz barely could recognize this right right so the world changes and you got to adapt everyone's industry changes and so these guys adapt. but this this would be a big change searching for nba playoff coverage we've got you the Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. Let me get to this. C.J. Stroud, Ohio State quarterback, kind of teased the Buckeye fans a little bit. I don't know if he did it on purpose or not. Got a few hopes up that he was going to return to Columbus for a final season. Enough that I was calling around and everyone was like, this, like everyone had the same reaction. Like you, you can't, right? Like, right. Uh oh, yeah. 
And sure enough, he went pro. The money is just enormous, obviously, for particularly for a quarterback, uh, you know, on these on these deals. And so he uh, I think it was like up for you can make 40 million guaranteed as the number one pick. I think 32 million is the number five, which he may not drop past 22 to 27 million and a guaranteed signing bonus right off the bat. You get started to that second contract where these guys are making 40 million, 50 million, you know, who knows in four years as a good quarterback kind of got to do it. However, there was the, the concept that, you know, could, could NIL make it. So a kid like CJ Stroud says, you know what I'm going to make, I'm already making good money. My family's not destitute. I get another year to develop. I get another year to actually go to college and get a degree that I might be interested in. I get another year of trying to finish the job at Ohio State, win a national title, be with my friends, all of those things. And in the past, we saw, we have seen quarterbacks do this. Peyton Manning was the number one pick. He returned to Tennessee in 98. Andrew Luck was the number one pick in 2010, I think. Turned to Stanford for another year. Matt Leinert returned to USC. Justin Herbert returned to Oregon. So those kind of quarterbacks, all of whom come from upper middle class to really wealthy families, at least in the case of the Mannings, had the option to make that decision. And NIL, it would seem to me, eventually one of these guys is going to say, I'm going to do it even though CJ Stroud grew up one of four kids, I think of a single mom, right. Doesn't, didn't, didn't have that, but now he does. Mm -mm. So it didn't work out this time, but in the future, one of these guys is going to do this, right? Yeah. It's a matter only, it feels like a matter of time thing, you know, Mm -hmm. but I don't know that he was the guy because of, because of like his, his upbringing. I think, you know, most people know his, his backstory now about living above the storage unit facility with his mom who is a manager of the the storage facility his dad is in jail you know he's he's obviously he's got a lot in his personal life and but it does feel like a matter of time type of thing of when when a big high profile player a first round pick maybe a, a top 10 pick will get you know the 10 to 15 million dollar nil deal and loves college and wants his degree and hasn't won a championship yet or something and wants to stay to pursue that. That was the big thing with this situation. Pat can probably speak more on it is that, you know, we had heard that that was a big thing was that he wanted to win a national championship. And that was really kind of maybe pulling him back. And, you know, I'm sure that Ohio state's NIL collective folks were doing what they could do, but man, it's just, you know, the money's just, it's not even close, you know, when you start getting, getting into it. Yeah, no, that's the thing. And Dan, I thought your column was good in terms of pointing that out. You know, that like the, the sooner you start your clock in the NFL, the near mm. closer you get to the second contract when you become generationally wealthy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And while, yes, staying another year in college for $5 million sounds great, it's not as good as getting closer to a, you know, six year, $200 million deal or whatever the numbers would be. So, he had to go. Uh, and yes, yeah, somebody will do it. Sure, somebody will do it, I, I think. Now, the, but the it, interesting but it thing... But it weakens... It, it, it eases that. It's not zero to everything, right? Yeah. No, right. 
Right. Exactly. It's not. It's, it's not the old like, days. Again, of, those four guys, Manning, Liner, Herbert, they all yeah. had that opportunity and all sat there and said, yeah, I can wait a year. Right. Yeah. That That's that's the thing. And uh, the, yeah, you're not just playing for your letter jacket and whatever anymore. I mean, you can, you can stay in college and make a very good living, uh, depending what it is. The interesting thing to me that we're still, I think, we're a ways from figuring out is where's the sliding scale between a decreasing amount of money as a draft pick as you go down through the draft versus the amount that you can make in NIL? Where do those intersect? Uh, you know, mm. if you're a if you're a, a big shot college guy, like I mean, Stetson Bennett came back because he was going to make money more money at Georgia probably than he would make as a you know a sixth round pick in the NFL, and he liked being at Georgia. But, you know, for, for later round picks, for guys that are not top five or whatever, where where will be that intersection point where it becomes as lucrative or nearly as lucrative to stay in college? So uh, the problem is we don't really know what these collectives are doing, you know, in terms of actual numbers because this stuff isn't very public unless people are making stuff up. The, the best thing that, that happened on Monday, this was great. Talk about teasing people. And boy, this is like toying with the emotions of your constituency. So th this was like C.J. Stroud hadn't said anything, hadn't said anything, as, as Dan noted. You know, like the, the, the talk was out there. There was at least consideration that he, he may come back. And Brian Schottenstein, whose family has got their name like on buildings at uh, the campus, you know, maybe the biggest of uh, Ohio State athletic boosters. They, the, the basketball arena is named the Schottenstein Center. Tweeted... Monday morning, got some big news today and got everybody all excited and then came out uh, later in the day with video of himself doing a gender reveal spike of a football. He's having a girl with his wife. Oh, God. Yeah, I bet the Ohio State faithful were like, oh, thanks for that, Brian. Not the day, so, brother. Not the day. Yeah, right. yeah that, that didn't seem like a good idea. Yeah, that is that's poking the bear a little bit. It may be the wrong time. Yeah, that didn't seem like a good idea. That, that got everyone excited that, that something was coming. It's yeah, like, ah, right. uh, well, so to that to that to that line of thinking, Michigan boosters or whatever the Valiant Collective, which is associated with Michigan, uh, started the One More Year Fund. One more year fund.com. And the thing about the, the one more year fund is it's basically like a group funding or a go, you know, GoFundMe type thing to pay guys to, to stick around, right? Returning stars. The bet, the thing about this, and maybe there are other schools, I just saw this one. So if you have one at your school or a different school, let me know. But this thing is unapologetic and could not be more direct about what it is. This is, you know, like those political ads, like America is great fund sponsor. Like, okay, like we, I don't even, what does that mean? Right. Brought you this ad. Right? And you're like, okay, what the hell is that? This thing is, could not be clear. Okay. The one more year fund introducing the one more year fund, the crowdfunding campaign designed to retain key Michigan football players, starting with Blake Corum, Cornelius Johnson, Trevor Keegan, and Zach Zinter. That's the mission <laughs> statement. That's laying it out there, man. First, first paragraph of their mission statement. 
<laughs> and my, by donating, fans of choice have the chance to make a meaningful contribution to the Michigan football team in pursuit of the 2023 National Championship by supporting NIL Tubs. Okay. Guess what? Four players announced they were returning to Michigan next year. Mm-hmm. Blake Corum, Cornelius Johnson, Trevor Keegan, and Zach Zinter. Okay. Their, their motto. And Jenkins though, now, too. Right. And Jenkins, right. And they said, we're, this is it. You donate here. We're going to try to get the money to the, the juniors, if you will, or whatever eligibility and say, hey, Zach Zinter, you're not number one pick, right? Blake Corum, you got a hurt knee. We'll make it worth your while to return. And it is unapologetic. And you can donate five bucks. You can donate. They want 144 is their average or their goal because it's the 144th Michigan team. You could donate lots of money, right? Over 5,000 you can give. Their motto is those who stay will be paid. Your <laughs> Bo Schembechler line. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, Those who stay I will be champions. To, yeah. This thing could not be more obvious. Like, I, I love it. It's just straight up. No. And you go, no. all right, that's pretty cool. And I know people sit around with NIL. Our school doesn't have any money. Anybody can do this. Yeah. Kick in 10 bucks. Maybe you're, you will, we'll collect it all. And maybe we get our one of our stars to stick around instead of saying, you know, I'm going to be a fourth round draft pick. I think it's fascinating. Well, and Michigan should be a lot better next year because of the one more year fund. I don't know how much money they're getting. I don't know, whatever. But when your goal, your stated goal is to keep four guys and all four decide to stay, it seems like it worked. Yeah. And like this is actually within the spirit of NIL rules, too. You know, it's like we want to pay these guys who have already proven their worth and have an established value to our program, as opposed to we're going to pay these recruits straight up front to sign with us instead of signing with Ohio State or Notre Dame or whatever. So much, I, much you know, better they, return on investment. It's a great idea. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. You talk about ROI a lot. Return on like all yeah. these boosters getting a return or companies getting a return on investment for, for NIL. And they probably aren't seeing a whole lot of return on investment and given whatever, $500,000 to a, a 17, 18-year-old freshman, but they certainly are seeing a return on investment by giving, say, a million dollars to a, you know, three-year running back who who was a finalist for the Heisman. You know, that that's that's a return on investment. That's that's a uh that's where your your team, you're gonna see the the results and you're gonna see that that player probably bring in some kind of return either to the team or to your company you know, plaster in his face on, on everything because he's a known entity, he's a known player. So that that makes a lot a lot more sense. You know, this is where NIL, we saw it in basketball, I feel like, a lot last year. Yeah. Right? Guys stayed, right? We haven't really seen it, like, as loud in football before this, before this year. It's like the second time around. We knew it would, we knew it would happen. Like, this is going to happen, and this is where you, you can really, you know, teams can, can really – take advantage of this NIL era is is doing this is keeping guys in college and yeah it's great in a lot of ways right it's great for the game we talked about how it's great for the game of college basketball having these 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 players back and certainly in college football too let's just say that the ROI potentially is higher for them than the people who gave no yeah. money to Michigan, to a Texas A&M recruits there was no money paid to them but if you None. did pay any money to those Texas A&M groups. You didn't get much out of it last year. Nope. Mm-mm. You may in the future. Yeah, maybe uh, but in yeah. the future. No, I, I, this is 
And this is part of why everyone's flipping out over this. Like, let's see what happens. Yeah, right. Okay. I'm not going to necessarily suggest this. And I think the best thing is to do is both. But if a school, let's say Michigan, and this is not Michigan strategy, but let's say Michigan strategy is just, we are going to, if you come here and perform, you're going to get, you're going to be loaded. We're pouring it all into guys who come here and perform. Yeah. And that's their strategy. That's how they're going to use their their resources. Maybe that works better than the other way, especially with the transfer portal, right? Someone's sitting there saying, right. hey, where should I go? Hell, if I if a good sophomore year, if I have a good junior year, these guys are going to pay me a ton to come back from my senior year. I don't know. Right. We don't know how this is going to plan out. They're all screaming like hyenas over stuff. They don't even know how it works. <laughs> Just because they're well, uncomfortable. That's... that's- one of the things we talked about it before, it's like, give it time, like give it time to like, give it two to three to four years to like kind of settle and level out to see like, okay, what, what are we dealing with here? What are the real issues? And we, you know, it was a month in, right. Or not even a month in, like before it even it was implemented for the July one date happened like a year and a half ago, you had like, you know, the, the officials and administrators calling for the chaos and stuff. Well, let's, see what it is in, you know, give it, give it time before you start adjusting rules. I remember Shane Lyons, former West Virginia athletic director, now is a deputy at Alabama. And he would always tell me, you know, he was over uh, the D1 council and he did a lot of things with football oversight, a lot of NCAA legislation stuff. And they would implement a rule. And then a year later, oh, wait, this is happening. So we got to change, we got to change this rule. And then, oh, wait, this is happening. We got to change this rule. Like, it, after like a year, and it, he always, I remember he always said to me, we got to give it two or three years. Got to give it, don't change immediately. You know, give it time to see how the, the rule change really impacts kind of long term. Yeah. Yeah. I That's mean, the, the, I, the I, loudest hyenas tend to be the coaches themselves who, uh oh, we feel like we're getting at a competitive disadvantage. Change everything. And they go and start screaming yeah. to their athletic directors or uh, to the co- co- commissioners. You know, absolutely. No, it's ridiculous. And it's like, all right, well, let's see if this is like college football is better because all these like good players staying is good. What a concept. Good players staying and getting more education is literally the whole philosophical point of this operation, which I know doesn't matter much. And yeah, look, at Zach Zinter is a really good interior offensive lineman. He's not exactly the going to, you know, he's. Those guys normally don't get great endorsement deals, although you just never know, right? Although, yeah, I will say, when I was up there for Michigan, Illinois, and I checked into my hotel Saturday night after the game, this I thought was great NIL. The front desk of the hotel was selling copies of the Michigan offensive lines like children's book. Right, right, right. Four of them with five of them with their names underneath. I thought, oh, that's a good idea. I like it. But but yeah, now, like and that's another reason in, you go to the NFL. It's not going to you know you're a Zach Zinter. I don't know, maybe a third round pick, maybe a fifth round pick. I don't know. And so, well, the the biggest the biggest commercial deals in Michigan, just because I live in Michigan and I happen to know this story pretty well, is there the, the defensive lineman Mike Morse. There is a extremely prominent defense attorney or attorney in town named Mike Morse. And it's it's mm-hmm. Morris, but it's pronounced yeah. the same way. 
So he, Mike Morris was at the football game, the, the lawyer at the first Michigan football game. He hears tackle by Mike Morris, the same name, basically. Spelled a little different, but they're basically the same pronunciation. He says, what is that? So the, the lawyer is is not, uh, the, the you know, the, the player is huge. The lawyer is not huge. They, they've done a bunch of joke commercials and all these different commercials. So, like, you just never know, right? A guy just makes his money. But that's not what people really, people are always in favor of that. But I just think... This is a way to do it. And this is the thing. If you're Pitt, Pitt's, Pitt's a big complainer. Clemson's a big complainer. You sit there and go, well, oh, Michigan's doing that. Why can't you guys can't set up a GoFundMe? Like you can't set up a GoFundMe? Because uh, that, that's all sorry, this is. we have is. breaking news. Breaking Uh-oh. news. Santa Ono, president of uh, Michigan, says he just got off the phone with Coach Harbaugh. And Jim shared with me the great news that he's going to remain as the head coach from the Michigan Ooh. Bulls. Hey, all right. He didn't get an NFL that. offer after all. <laughs> he was trying to. I think there was a Denver Bronco interview maybe set up this week. All right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Harbaugh is back. Well, now that he's got all his players back, maybe he's not so upset at uh, Ward Manuel and uh, the way the collectives are working. All right. <laughs> There you go. Jim Harbaugh is back. <laughs> Jim well, Harbaugh let's, let's is react back. to that. I've got let's one last bit, but yeah, I was going to do something else, but let's react to that. Sorry, put away the Daily Mail material. What's yeah, we'll we hold off. I have one fun story at the end, but it's not okay. Daily Mail. I love a pre- The president really wants to be out front on this. Santa Ono, who <laughs> I've met, he's a very He's tweeting from his guy, own account. Like, it's bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. He's in on this. I just got off the phone with Coach Harbaugh, and Jim shared with me the great news that he is going to remain as the head coach. Of Sources. <laughs> Sources. He named his source. Named his source, yeah. First. All right. So does this, <laughs> are we doing this again next year? Or like, it, let's say let's say Harbaugh, let's say they, they figure out how to make this all work and they get through this NCA thing, which they will. How big is this to keep Harbaugh if he's actually committed to staying and like not doing this again next year? Huge. Uh, yeah, like you said, for the next 365 days, it's huge. Look, he's established himself. He's proved he can take your program almost to the top. Back-to-back playoff appearances, not many guys have done that. Thumping the hell out of Ohio State back-to-back years, not many guys have done that. Got to figure out the next, next part. Year. Oh, heck yeah, I'll be favored next year. Uh, yeah. I, I don't think there's any doubt about it. The game's in Ann Arbor. On paper, they're going to have a good, very good team coming back. C.J. Stroud, as noted earlier in the podcast, is not coming back. So, yeah, like they they, they will once again be looking at a 12-0 regular season and probably a 13-0 walkover against the Big Ten West, and then we'll see what happens from there. Got to go to Penn State. And they got to play Ohio State. We'll see what Michigan State can do. But yeah, the non-conference stinks. And then going forward, this is a team that should be in the playoff like, you know, four out of five years. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, going forward, yeah, as the playoff expands, absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah. It should make Home the playoff. Yeah, yeah. Every year, you would think. This is. I don't know what they paid him, but this is one of my things on why you got to pay him. I don't care if he's a pain in the neck. I don't care of any of it. Like the value, just take the extra home game, what it means to Ann Arbor. Yeah. Like playoff games are going to now yeah. matter. It's literally like the city of Ann Arbor should be like, we'll pet, we'll kick in. Like yeah, we're going to get a home sure. game. Isn't every, that the truth? Uh, uh, right? right. We're getting an, an extra home game, whatever those things are worth. But, you know, like you guys have been to Michigan State. I don't know if Ross has, but like there's literally a 
public high school, Pioneer High School, it's Kitty Corner from Michigan Stadium, and they just load up their parking lot. I mean, they they make I, I, Lord knows how much money the oh. public schools in Michigan in Ann Arbor, Michigan, make off of just parking at Michigan home games. I mean, they load the yeah. RVs in. It's it's not owned by Michigan, the university. So it's like, like they're yeah. getting like a Pioneer car. High School or something. Yeah, Pioneer High School. They have yeah. this huge yeah. lot right across the kitty corner from the stadium. I mean. 50 buck, 50 buck. I mean, it's just like, boom. Like, imagine how much money that is for those public schools. Well, you just add another one. It's like, boom, it's got a, you know, a ninth home game. Right. You know, it's a freaking 12% bump right there. You know, so that's huge for Michigan. I They needed to figure out how to resolve this, and it looks like they were able to because it was a kind of an odd impasse. Yeah. The one other element here, and I'll let Ross chime in, but uh... – there is a possibility that Jim Harbaugh is sitting out some portion of uh, next season, yeah. but we'll see yeah, how long those it takes early games. NCAA jurisprudence to, to be. Can't see it. No, they got to resolve it. Take two games. Take your hit. Yeah. Smarten up next time, please. Yeah, I, I don't, you know, we haven't seen a whole lot of that, right? Have we ever seen coaches suspended for NCAA infractions? But I know they changed the yeah, basketball. I know they changed the basketball, rule, right? Yeah. To where it's more head coach whatever they're calling it. Yes. Uh, yeah. Strict Le- liability. Less, yeah. yeah. They're always so. perp-walking the basketball coaches. But, like, all right, Bill Self sat out some games at the beginning of the year. Anyone remember? No. No. Jim Calhoun once had it. I mean, like, whatever. Yeah. yeah. And what's their yeah. early season schedule look like? If any the the first previous, five, it's garbage. Cake yeah, cake I mean, that's what Central. Michigan had a preseason this past year. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. He was literally trying out his quarterback. Yeah. In the, uh, <laughs> he treated yeah, it like I, a preseason. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, Hawaii, uh, whatever. Uh, let me see. Uh, East Carolina, UNLV, mm-hmm. Bowling Green. Rutgers mm-hmm. shows up in week four. I guess you could marginally need him. Then you're at Nebraska. Right. So, and even even I, then, I don't think, like, look, unless I think he, I don't think he can even get more than six. Like, I don't, and then at Minnesota. So even if he got the max somehow, which there, you could make a resolution. Uh, you know, whatever. Not a big deal. That's a huge deal for Michigan. Big for the Big Ten too. Mm-hmm. But Jim Harbaugh is a pain in the neck, and he is costly and all of that. But you know what's even a bigger pain in the neck and being costly is losing. Mm. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See. So. Uh, Brady Hoke slash Rich Rodriguez eras. (laughs) They lost to Toledo. That one hurt. So, yeah, we'll see. I want to see what he does in this class of 2024. He needs to to hit and uh, try to get momentum going on the program. But, all right, that's big news. Good stuff. Big news. Breaking on right here on the pod. Right here on the pod. We're only here. You only get it here. Yeah. (laughs) That's right. Nowhere well, else. Did, you know, I don't know review. what time the pod will friends. post tonight, but you will not have heard this any other place. That's right. <laughs> Normally, that stuff hits uh, like all wrong, right? It's like right after we're done. It's like, yeah, oh, right. we'll wrap yeah, up. We got to put a top on it uh-huh. so we don't have to do that. So I, I do not want to go further without mentioning the tragedy down in Georgia. I should have <laughs> led with this. I'm sorry I didn't. Football player Devin uh, Willock and staff member Chandler LaCroix, I'm sorry, Chandler LaCroix, were uh, both di- died in a single car crash Sunday just after, I think, the Georgia parade in, in Athens. And uh, just a sad, sad deal. And, uh, you know, from the what a, the joy of that week and the accomplishment of that week, 
to have them die in a car accident. Just just really sad. LaCroix's 24, Wellick's 20, played uh, in a bunch of games this year. Not that that really matters at this point, but uh, just thought we should uh, uh, mention that and our thoughts are with everyone at Georgia who lost uh, someone they love and their families and all of that. So, yeah, uh, for sure. Tough go of it. Uh, yeah, and just, yeah, the the incredible you know, con- jarring of emotions you go from that. Yeah, they, they had their on-campus celebration of the championship Saturday during the day, and then that happens early Sunday morning. Really hits home the fragility of life for everybody, and uh, we see these headlines way too much with uh, with college kids. And, you know, we don't we don't know all the circumstances involved there, but shoot, the, the place where the fatal accident occurred was right by where my, my son, who went to Georgia, used to live. Um, icon apartments there mm. and you know you can just it's 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 alarmingly easy to see your kid the, in that same circumstance if not for a little bit of luck or maybe a little bit better judgment or whatever went into it uh and you just hope that uh, kids can navigate those college years with that, that can be so great but sometimes just have these horrible tragedies yeah that's sad all right there's no good way to transfer to transition well, there probably is, but I don't know how to do it. Um, but one of our all-time favorite college football players is Trevor Lawrence. Uh, mm-hmm. Gave us great joy with his hair, his marriage, his <laughs> wedding we, registry. We did like his, his wedding registry. That was good. Stuff. Yes, his toasters, his fancy toasters. Yeah. Trevor is all joy. Uh, he had a big game, a big victory. Uh, on Saturday night, had a horrible first half and a great second half. One uh, came back from 27-0 to lead the Jaguars uh, in a victory over the Los Angeles Chargers. And then he went to celebrate, very Gus Malzahn-like, at the Waffle House. Well, if you saw this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Trevor. <laughs> he's As young. if he needed anything else to resonate with the Jacksonville fan base. That, I, that seals the deal. I love it. The guy's, guy's you know, rich and the, the wife and the hair and the money, the whole thing, right? It's like, what do we, the biggest victory, Jacksonville. Eh. Let's go to Waffle House. I love it. Absolutely. Where yeah. better to hang out with your friends? But here is my question, because I do know the answer to this. I do know the answer uh, because of uh, some tremendous reporting by Casey Feint. I'm going to say her name. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. A First Coast News did some great reporting on this, so I know the answer. What did Trevor Lawrence order to celebrate the big win over the Chargers mm. at Waffle House? Got to be the five-star special. Five-star special. He was a five star. I mean, sure was. Gotta be. But that uh, what time of day was this? Was this was nighttime? Middle after of the, the night. Middle of okay. the night. Okay. When do you I go mean, to like, Waffle House? You can only go after midnight yeah. before six AM. <laughs> the game the game was late, right? So yeah. it was after the game. So the five star special, what does that entail? What is exactly I'm look, trying to find a, there's That's a lot of like everything. Work. I've got it here. Hang on. I, I think it's I, the all-star special. All-star, all-star not five-star. Yeah, all-star, all-star special. Okay. He was a five-star. Okay. You get yeah, eggs, yeah. toast, yeah. hash browns, which, of course, you can then add, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right, all Pancake, the different things waffle, you can add to. or waffle. You, yeah, you, you, get get a, waffle, you get the waffle, bacon, bacon and then it looks like two types of sausage. Mm. Yeah. I don't mm-hmm. know. You, you can get grits also. It's possible. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, yeah. Maybe Instead those are hash grits, browns. Though. Yeah. Yeah. The All Star Special. That's it. Yeah. 
That was not the order. Oh, I'm wait. I'm, wait let me go with. I, I'm going to say. Uh, I, I I think he went uh, hash brown bowl scattered smothered covered. <laughs> also not the order. Damn. Well, round two. Don't tell me he got like two? a pork chop or something. <laughs> <laughs> the ribeye steak. Yeah. Uh, no, please no. According to this, he ordered the cheese steak plate. With a side of pecan waffles. Oh, really? Okay. 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 So a little I, breakfast I can't hate dinner. On that. that sounds pretty damn good. Yeah. So, I mean, that's like pecan that's, waffles. Yeah, that's for like a guy from Georgia. Yeah, that that's that's just closest Waffle House gets to surf and turf. I think <laughs> uh, the cheesesteak plate with a side of. <laughs> uh, what would a Waffle yeah, House surf ate, and turf look like? Oh. <laughs> It would be like, um, what would it, it, it couldn't be, it can't be steak and lobster. It's got to be something like ground catfish. chuck patty yeah. in like, yeah, catfish, fried catfish. Here's your, catfish here's your ground you chuck patty, hamburger steak more. and fried catfish. That's right. Yeah, spam and catfish. Yes. There you go. Um, his normal go-to is the Texas bacon cheesesteak melt. Mm. Oh, that is good. Okay. I've had that. Is That's it? good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just. I don't know. I'm, I'm a straight breakfast. I, I don't yeah. care what time of day I go to Waffle Same. House. It is going to be breakfast. Yeah. I'm not going there for a no cheesesteak. No. It is interesting. You could get the city ham biscuits or the country ham biscuits. At <laughs> mm. They do distinguish. Uh, well, they stayed for about an hour. They took pictures with guests. Uh, Marissa mm -hmm. came, the whole thing. And uh, it's the Jacksonville Beach Waffle House. Ironically, not the only celebrity who's ever been there. Uh, the guy who played Uncle Rico in Napoleon Dynamite <laughs> was there back in 2019. Right. Perfect. Uh, now, I mean, you, you know, it's... throw a football over the restaurant. <laughs> you ever go to like those? Now, Uncle Rico would definitely get the Waffle House Surf and Turf, whatever it may be. I'm thinking that he would order that. <laughs> I want, you ever see me throw a football over a mountain? <laughs> That's my favorite line. That's the greatest. You go to like uh, you go to like those delis in New York or like Beverly Hills, and there's like like pictures of like everybody on the wall. It's like Jack Nicholson, Kim Kardashian, Michael Jackson was here. Like what? Like like celebs beyond celebs. And then there's the Jacksonville Beach Wobble. It's like we had Uncle Rico and Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> you take what you can get in Jacksonville. <laughs> the guy you played Uncle Rico. I'd be more excited to be sitting next to him than almost anybody. That's like Kim Kardashian was here. No, no, no. We got Uncle Rico. Anyway, that's it. So if you want to know, Trevor gets, he's normally gets the Texas bacon cheesesteak milk. On this occasion, he went cheesesteak plate, side of pecan waffles. Eat like a right. champion, Trevor. Eat like a champion. Right. Yep. We'll never quit you. We'll never quit you. Fuel up and get ready for that trip to Kansas City now. Yeah, we may be slinking back. May not may not end as well. Patrick Mahomes unlikely to blow a 27-0 lead. So don't don't <laughs> throw four picks yeah. in the first half. That's that probably not going to end so well with Andy Reid and Trevor and uh, Patrick Mahomes. But we will see. We will see. All right, that is our show. That's our show. We made it through. Continue to subscribe. We'll probably have more Harbaugh fallout later in the week. See where we're at uh, and everything else. And... Uh, Leave us nice reviews, share us on social media, tell your friends about us. Mostly keep listening. We will talk to you later.